Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of Faces of TBI and your host. Faces of TBI is a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Today, I'll be chatting with Dr. Michael Lovich about understanding functional neurology. Those of you who may not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February 2014. I'm a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Goodman Project, and I am author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, which is available on Amazon, and I recently launched the Brain Health Magazine. Grab your free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. You can learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer, and don't forget to join my Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Dr. Michael Lovich, and he is a board-certified chiropractic functional neurologist and board-certified chiropractic sports physician. He holds an MS in sports medicine with additional training in brain-based functional medicine and functional movement-based rehabilitation. He has served as a medical director and on medical staff for various organizations and events in professional, amateur, collegiate, and high school athletics. He specializes in integrating the physical aspects of sports medicine and chiropractic care with the neurological and physiological systems that are often overlooked. He's owner of Delta S Performance Functional Neurology and Sports Medicine with clinics in Denver and Boston metro areas. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really happy to have you here today and um, just kind of really dig into the topic of functional neurology and like what it is, because I get asked all the time, you know, what's the difference between functional neurology and regular neurology? Um, so I'm really thrilled to have you here today to break it down a little bit for our listeners. Um, but first, I'd love to have you share with us just how you came to work in this brain injury realm. Sure. So I was in chiropractic school and I started learning all about anatomy, physiology, and clinical diagnosis, and I, re- I felt like there was still something missing. So I ended up doing that master's in sports medicine on top of it, and it plugged some of the holes, but I still felt like there was more to know because, you know, sometimes the way diagnosis works is you, do all, you figure out what their symptoms are, you do some tests, you have all the positives and negatives, you give them a label. That label we call a diagnosis, and then after you have that label, you sort of throw away all your tests from the beginning, and then you come through with a treatment plan based on the label. And I felt like you can be a lot more fine-tuned than uh, just saying, hey, you have a concussion, so you get either treatment A, B, or C. And so then I jumped into functional neurology after shadowing at Glenn Zielinski's office <coughs> a couple times and seeing uh, – to put it simply, some headaches turned off with two thumbs and a clipboard – And I realized there's more to it than all the fancy treatments. Sometimes you just need to have a better understanding of what's going on inside the brain. 
So this all really started for me afterwards because you, you said you got your concussion in February of 2014. I've got, I got mine two months later in April. I caught an edge skiing on Mount Hood in 2014, and I went to a bunch of different doctors, and everyone's like, oh, you look fine. Everything's normal, except normal for me wasn't mm-hmm. normal for the average population. So I was watching my grades slide backwards. I was watching changes that uh, weren't deemed pathological, but at the same time, I knew there was something wrong with me. So I decided at that point to jump two feet into functional neurology and really learn this because clearly there's a shortage of people who are TBI literate. Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely true. Um, I mean, I probably saw, I don't know, 20 to 30 different doctors um, in 18-month period. And, you know, like you said, they'd be like, oh, you know, you just have to give it more time. Oh, just give it more time. Oh, you know, your eyes are fine. This is fine. That's fine. And the neuropsychologist went so far as to say, you know, maybe I didn't try hard enough on my neuropsych exam um, because I scored worse than a dementia patient with my short-term memory, which had been one of my biggest complaints. I could not, like my short-term memory was just like gone. And it was so incredibly challenging to function that way. And the, the neuropsychologist wanted to put me on antidepressants. She told me I was just depressed. And I was like, but no, how is that going to fix my brain injury? Um, And it was really frustrating. And then, you know, fast forward to two and a half years and I found Dr. Schmo and functional neurology um, who, you know, they get it. And it's like, man, why don't more doctors get this? Like, why don't traditional doctors understand any of this? Um, So, yeah, I'm so thankful that there are doctors like you out there. Yeah, and at the same time, it's not like those doctors are not doing the best that they can with the information that they have. What the way I look at I'd it argue is with our that goal, to a point. <laughs> to a, of course, of course, uh, to a point. But the way we look at it is, my my mission for my clinics is to stop being Doctor Twenty and be Doctor Five or Six, because mm-hmm. I would argue that uh, although maybe the the medical approach to TBI, the individuality of TBI is not as accurate and precise as it can be. Uh, they are looking for more dangerous things going on most of the time. They're looking for yeah. uh, brain bleeds. They're looking for uh, tumors. They're looking for infections. They're looking for things that are potentially life-threatening. And if those aren't there, then the medical system isn't really set up to support patients and get them back to health. There, it supports it's set up to keep patients from dying or keep patients from living in a very debilitated state where um, like we know that mental health doesn't get enough attention. So does brain injuries. Cause remember, and like your experience with the neuropsychologist, uh, we actually work with one in with inside the, the Lyme and Pan's treatment center in Cohasset, Massachusetts. Uh, we work with chronic Lyme and we work with pans and pandas patients and TBI patients, and uh, we we have a very good collaborative approach because while she she focuses on the psychological aspect of it, we're able to come in from the neurophysiological aspect mm-hmm. and provide a little more holistic approach 
of more than just the mind, and we can actually look at the brain as well. And we found that it's been really helpful for some patients. And But what it comes down to is what is our place as functional neurologists in the healthcare system? I view it like this. Medical neurologists are going to do a series of tests. They're going to figure out if your brain is working or is not working, and then they give you a diagnosis based on that. And we've already covered the some of the limitations of the diagnosis. However, what we do as functional neurologists is we go through all a lot of the same tests, actually, but we're looking to see how well is it working. If one area is firing a little too high and one area is firing a little too low, what does that mean in the big picture? And what does it mean from an individual circuit? And how can we improve that as opposed to this is what your problem is, sit and wait until it gets better on your own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, going back to my experience with the neurologist, um, I got into the neurologist at about eight, nine weeks after my injury. And, you know, she did the tests like touch your, close your eyes, touch your pinky to your nose. And I couldn't do it. Like, and that, I remember that shocking me. I was like, whoa, what just happened? Um, and like walking yeah, heel to toe, heel to toe. And I would, I basically would fall over. I couldn't do heel to toe. Um, and she did a couple other, you know, I, I mean, I spent a total of like 20 minutes with her and she sent me out for an MRI, which came back clear. Um, and so she told me, well, there's nothing we can do for you. You know, you just have to give this more time, come back in six months go back in six months well there's really nothing we can do for you you know come back in six months and it was so frustrating I'm like why aren't we doing anything like I was like I even asked like should I have PT OT some sort of therapy like shouldn't we be doing something and she's like well no there's really nothing we can do for you know for a concussion and I'm like you know I, I remember just thinking that that didn't make sense to me and I kept complaining something was wrong with my eyes. So she did send me to the neuro-ophthalmologist who, you know, he did like an hour of testing on me and told me my eyes were fine, um, which, you know, acuity was fine. I could, I could see, but I knew something wasn't right. And I, I, you know, I kept explaining I felt my eyes were what was causing me to be dizzy. And I was told by the neuro-ophthalmologist, that that's basically not possible. Um, and then I was sent to the Disney Imbalance Center who told me I just had positional vertigo and they kept doing the Epley maneuver on me, which I later learned that, you know, the Epley maneuver, if you do truly have positional vertigo, it's, you know, like 90% effective in two treatments. So if it's not helping after two treatments, you probably don't have positional vertigo, which is, you know, crystals in the ears. Um, so, you know, they just kept doing this Epley maneuver on me and they weren't doing anything else. So I just stopped going. I'm like, this is pointless. Um, you know, and then I've already talked about the neuropsychologist and um, and she was supposedly like the, the TBI expert in in within this clinic. Um, and it still just kind of blows me away that she told me I was just depressed. You don't really have a brain injury. Um, you know, so story is not unusual. <laughs> um, some people no, are fortunate 
and find the right doctor early on. Um, some people find the right, you know, I've heard people getting sent to the neuro-ophthalmologist and they send them to vision therapy, which is great, you know. Um, I wished I'd have gotten vision therapy early on. You know, who knows what how it would have changed my, my treatment trajectory. Um, but, you know, I'm just so thankful I finally found functional neurology. And, you know, he did a two-hour exam with me, which no one had spent more than 20, 30 minutes with me. Um, And he was like, yeah, it's your eyes. They're not working together. And I remember just looking at him like, for real? (laughs) Like, you believe me? (laughs) He's like, oh, yeah, I believe you. He's like, that's, it's, you know, 90% of people with a brain injury have eye tracking problems. And I'm like, so why doesn't anyone else know this? Like, you know, it blew my mind that the neuro ophthalmologist wouldn't know that. Right. Um, and you know, it just, it just really got me going on this mission of trying to help people understand functional neurology and hopefully they can find it sooner than I did. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong, no matter how far out you are in your recovery, you can always, always see improvement. Our, our, the, the neuroplasticity of our brain is amazing. Um, and no matter how far out you are, you can always benefit from functional neurology. But, you know, the sooner you find it, the less time you have to struggle, right? That's kind of my point. Right, and exactly. And I think the, the goal here is how do we improve collaboration? Because, like you said, the neurologist yes. said, well, there's nothing really we can do. And even if the neurologist said there's nothing we can do in our model, however, you should see somebody who practices this at a high level, the functional mm-hmm. neurology at a high level, then because what, what's, the, what's the actual risk associated? So let's, let's look at it from this perspective. So I was talking to Christopher Giza at a conference in Southern California. If you read publications about uh, brain injury, his is like one of the top ones that come up, him with Dr. Letty out of Buffalo. And there are another, there, there's, and Dr. Havza, who's on a lot of papers with Dr. Giza. There are a lot of things that are being thrown around out there as you should do this for brain injury. But how, but maybe going to a practitioner that would be a little more effective. So what I asked Dr. Giza was, let's say, like, how do you determine whether or not you would refer to a patient or refer to a doctor? And he said, the first thing that he'd be looking for is a bunch of randomized controlled studies to show effectiveness. The problem with uh, functional neurology is that because it is so individualized and so fine-tuned, and we have so many variables in this multivariable system that it's really hard to really isolate one variable and say uh, an ocular pursuit to the right is going to change this and only this X percent of the time by this amount. So that's, that's one thing that's going to make it tough. That's why it's so important for the, for the functional neurology community to produce case studies on a level that, that may lead to some sort of randomized control study and some sort of meta-analysis after that. The second thing that he said was, if there wasn't a double-blind randomized control study, you'd have to look and see what risk is it to the patient. And it's not just uh, health risk, but financial risk. 
Um, and if it is of low risk to the patient or a appropriate risk to the patient, then it then then he may recommend that. So, from our perspective, that we've sort of follow those guidelines in how we uh, set up our appointments. Um, we do. We know that uh, functional neurology really is low risk to the patient from a health perspective. You're doing rehab exercises. You're doing a combination of vestibular rehab, visual rehab, cognitive rehab, and physical rehab. And you are, and through the combination of those three, from a brain perspective, if you're working with somebody who knows what they're doing and can see fatigue points before they happen and can see or before the patient feels it, then there's a chance that patients can get better without getting worse first, which is a huge mm-hmm. paradigm shift for most people thinking, oh, well, you, like you go to the gym, you work out with fatigue, the next day you have muscle soreness, but no, that means it worked. When you're working the brain, having soreness the next day may not be the most effective way for rehabilitation. It may be that a fatigue point was missed and the practitioner needs to be cognizant and aware of that. And then we have our pricing structure in our office set up where everything starts with an initial exam. We spend 90 minutes to start. If we need extra testing, we'll do an extra 30 minutes of balance and oculography testing, which is where you throw the person in the goggles and you measure eye movements, which I'm sure you've had. Mm-hmm. And, well, and the idea is everything starts with that because we like to make things a little more bite-sizable. I know some clinics, they charge like 20 grand for two weeks of rehab. And while that, while there is a demographic of people who are looking for that, like the top tier, like they spent the most, so they're getting the best treatment. Um, I look at it like, well, if you're spending that much, if you're spending 20 times as much on that clinic than you're spending on my clinic for the same, they, they better get 20 times the results or 20 times, the speed of recovery and uh, our goal is to try and figure out how, how quickly can we get you better with the least out of pocket, the minimal effective uh, dose where we can actually get you back on your life without derailing your life, so to speak Mm -hmm. uh, financially. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to create this um, collaboration with medical doctors and neurologists where we can be in that window when they say, well, there's nothing we can do. We want them to say, there's nothing we can do, but you should try this clinic over there. They're going to, they're going to do a, a comprehensive rehabilitative approach and they'll be able to help exercise your brain in a way compared to where your baseline is right now. Yeah. And, you know, I think too, talking about, you know, how, how quickly you can get someone better. And I know for me, I did, um, I think I did a two week intensive when I originally worked Mm -hmm. with Jeremy. Um, But he does a week, anywhere from five to eight day intensives. And, you know, I think the majority of functional neurologists are set up this way because, you know, I would go every day for three times, three sessions per day. And the objective is to really work, the brain and get it refiring and rewiring um and in brain partic- boot camp. yes yes and particularly for people traveling from out of state right because you're not just going to come for one treatment you're you know like that would be a waste of money really um and mm-hmm. you know 
So it is a little bit more expensive than, say, traditional medicine, but only because we've become accustomed to our insurance paying for everything. So when you go to that neurologist and you only pay a $30 copay for, you know, a couple grand of treatment that, well, I, I won't even say treatment, um, diagnostic, I guess, right? Um, you know, people don't see that. And so they don't when realize that they paid that they paid $30 right. for seven minutes of their time when in reality <laughs> they paid their insurance included paid anywhere between 300 to $3,000 for seven minutes of their time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. There's, exactly. There's a huge, when it comes to that, we're actually a more competitive price than some of those hospitals and some of those medical doctors, just because when you're seeing a person for 90 minutes and all our follow-ups are, based off of 30-minute intervals. Imagine the last time that you actually had 90 minutes, somebody actually spending 90 minutes figuring out what was actually going on with you. Yeah. And yep. broken and broad and, and really testing you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know that people get really frustrated. You know, the functional neurology, you know, for the most part isn't covered by insurance. Um, some insurance does reimburse portions, um, but you know, for the most part, you're paying out of pocket up front. And, you know, that turns a lot of people off. And, you know, it's not functional neurology's fault that our healthcare system's broken in the U.S., um, yes. which, you know, is a we whole found, other story. But <laughs> in, our, in our clinic, we found a decent workaround for that to help our patients. So in our clinic, we'll, we are out of network. So mm-hmm. patients can come to us and we will su- provide a super pill, which yep. is a fancy receipt that not only has shows that you pay, but also shows your diagnosis codes and the treatments that we provided. And we co- even though we're not billing to insurance, we code everything appropriately. So that way our patients can then take that paper and on their own deal with their insurance company and get some reimbursement. However, yeah. we have found that even some patients who don't have chiropractic out-of-network benefits I forget what it's called, but insurance companies sometimes will allow you to use other out-of-network benefits. I had one patient who did not have chiropractic out-of-network benefits, but she had PT out-of-network benefits, and the insurance company allowed her to do it, and she got 80% reimbursement. Yeah. And so sometimes it just takes a little bit of uh, a, a little, a couple more steps, and the financial burden is easily taken care of or at least mitigated yeah. in some way. Yeah, and but yeah, that's I, the goal. The goal is to get this uh, covered by insurance. But at the same time, like when people say, "Well, can you call my insurance and find out what I need to do?" I'm like, yes, but we'll charge you our hourly rate for it. <laughs> yeah, we don't right, want to deal right. with insurance. No, no. And you know, I I found you know the vast majority of people do get some reimbursement, um, whether it's you know ten percent or eighty percent. You know, I've heard of people getting their whole thing reimbursed, which is like amazing. Um, but, you know, my point is, like, we've gotten so accustomed to our healthcare system and, you know, $20 copay, $30 copay, you know, and we don't think anything of spending that. And I know one woman, she kept track of all her copays for a year and a half of visits before she found functional neurology. And she had spent over three grand out of pocket just in copays. Right. Like, but you don't, you don't realize what you're spending because it's, you know, $30 here, $30 there. Um, and you know, so, what? it's not even that 
it's it's so much the entire healthcare system because once you leave the allopathic system of okay, this is what your insurance covers, then you start going into all these other uh, systems. So when I was saying I was Doctor Twenty, not only is a bunch of medical doctors and PTs and you name it, therapists in there, but we also had people who were doing two years of acupuncture work uh, that cost them about two and a half thousand dollars over the course of two years. And then she came to our clinic and we were able to get her better in two weeks. And I think her out-of-pocket payment was about 1100 bucks. Mm-hmm. And so we're talking about like one month of actually somebody who's trained in concussion versus going to a practitioner who has treated patients who have concussion, which is a subtle difference, but it's a huge difference. Because when you're, it all comes down to where you're spending your money and you want to spend your money as wisely as possible. And sometimes spending it on these uh, intensives is going to be so much more effective than saying, well, I'm going to go, like you ever hear the, the phrase, pinch a penny, lose a pound? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's exactly what we're talking about. People who are afraid to sort of take the plunge and work with somebody who's actually trained in TBI, actually going to look at a, with a comprehensive approach and figure out all these little particulars versus going to a person who, yeah, I've, I've treated a couple of people who have the diagnosis of concussion before. And so it's, the difference is, are they actually working with the concussion? Are they just working with a person who may have had one in the past? Mhm. Yes. Um huge distinction, right? Um Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I I was blown away like I said with the neuropsychologist who supposedly was their TBI expert, right? Um and my neurologist herself was supposedly one of the best in the clinic in dealing with TBI. And I mean, I got nothing out of it. I mean, I got an MRI that told me nothing, Um, you know, so, you know, and, and another point I also want to make is that the doctor works for you, not the other way around. And you have every right to ask questions and ask for better answers and to find other doctors. Like if you don't like the doctor you found, you have every right to go to a different doctor. Um, and don't be intimidated, you know, if they tell you, I, you know, I, unfortunately I've heard this a lot at Jeremy's clinic that their neurologist is convinced they have MS or, you know, some other neurological condition. Um, and they tell them that they're going to go see Jeremy and they're like, well, if you go see him, we're not going to treat you anymore. Like we don't believe in functional neurology. And unfortunately there's that attitude out there, first of all, but second Why of all, is there a belief system around it. <laughs> Let's, let's I don't know. I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that reading research became a religion. Like this is, <laughs> there shouldn't be a. Oh no, we don't believe in this. There should be a. Mm-hmm. Oh, let me see what they're doing. Let's let me just chat with them on the phone and see if they're the, speaking the same language I am. Because we're not talking about uh, energy systems or meridians or chakras or anything like that <laughs> that really doesn't integrate with the medical system. And I'm not saying that those particular modalities are wrong in any way. Right, right. Um, however, what we're doing is adjunctive medical care. It's 
it's right there with what they're doing. We're just looking at it from all the stuff that they learned in neuroanatomy and neurophysiology. We're just taking another look at it and saying, hey, maybe these little details might be important for this case. And if we put the pieces together and we start to see a favorable result, then maybe that was the appropriate way to go. And it's not a slight on the medical doctor saying that they don't know what they're talking about. It just means that we're part of the team and we're yeah. helping that doctor get better results with their patients. Yeah. Because yep. at the end of the day, it's all about getting the patients better. Patients over profits, patients over ego. Yes. Um, we yes. don't, we don't talk about, Oh, I got this person better. We talk about that person got better because they put in the effort. Um, mm-hmm. That's sort of where, how I, my, my business name doesn't really, isn't typical. It's not like love it's chiropractic or love it's functional neurology. And it's not uh, a business name that's like brain centers are us or whatever you want to call it. It's Delta S performance. And I'd like to explain why we call it that. Cause I think it's a huge part. Uh, so Delta S is the second law of thermodynamics which is entropy. It means that all things in life go to a state of disorder if left alone. Think of, a, think of your bedroom. If you, if you just live your life day in and day out, your bedroom is going to get messy. However, you have to put energy into that system. You need to work into that system in order for your bedroom to stay clean. So that's what Delta S embodies. Is in order, your health is not stagnant if you leave it alone. Your health will decline with for lack of a better yeah. word. Yeah. If you just sort of live your life and don't pay attention to it. However, if you pay attention to it and if you put work into it, then you can get it to improve. And that's the, I mean, that's the whole thing in our clinic. It's not about what we did. It's about the, all the work that the patients put in because that's what those, the patients that get the best results are the ones that come in ready to go they follow our recommendations. They work with us to, with open communication to tell us exactly what their feelings and what, they're, what they've experienced so we can be here to actually put the puzzle together and with them. Uh, it's, a, it's a team puzzle because I've had patients come in where they sit on the table and they kind of stare at me through the whole examination and we're finding <laughs> stuff left and right, but they're either smirking because they're like, this is a joke or they're they're waiting for me to deliver health to them. When in reality, it's, I mean, I'm just one person. I mean, they can follow my thumb as much as they want, but they need to have some buy-in as well in order to actually achieve results. They need to work at it, and it's not easy. And I have a ton of respect for every TBI patient I've ever worked with because it's not easy to deal with these things. It's not easy to go through this life, and it's um, what really got me into this is working with people on benzo withdrawals uh, because you talk about a person who's sort of been chewed up and spit out by a, by a medical system um, because most people don't really recognize the amount of brain chemistry changes in that system. So it's uh, every person has their own journey and you can't sit here and say one person's journey is more or less rough than another person's journey because everybody's living their, their uh, individual journey. Um, but, that's, mm-hmm. but that's why it's a team approach. That's why it's about us all working together. That's why it's about us collaborating with the rest of the healthcare system, not saying we're better or they're better or anything like that. It's all about how do we get the best results for the patient as quickly as possible 
uh, within reason. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so like I said, I did, I believe I did a two week intensive. Um, And then you get sent home with follow up exercises. And, you know, going back to what you're saying, like you have, you'll get out of it what you put into it. And um, it was hard in the beginning for me to remember to do my exercises. Um, And then once Jeremy figured that out, he would text me and be like, Hey, did you do your exercises today? Oh, no, I didn't. I'll go do them right now. Right. And they literally took Mm me, I don't know, 15 minutes a day. Like it wasn't time consuming. It was just, I literally would forget to do that. But as I continued doing my exercises over the next six to nine months, so many more symptoms started dropping away. Right. Like, I mean, Crazy, crazy improvement. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's good. We do that because just... we start our patients with a home exercise program right after that first appointment. Because our exercise, so the way that we do our exercises at home, and I've seen a couple different clinics do it different ways. So, and there's pros and cons to all of them. In my clinic, we are focused on energy levels and metabolic fatigue, and we're focused on making it so stupid easy that anybody can do it. So, because we don't want somebody saying, because we've had some patients when we made it a little more complicated say, I feel like I'm doing one wrong. So they stopped doing all of them because they'd rather not do it than not do it 100% perfectly. And in the world of brain rehabilitation, I mean, sometimes you're allowed to have a couple slip-ups. There are certain things that we're looking for. They're like, okay, you can't do that. But it, but most of it is just try to do it. So our exercises, we expect people to do them three to five times a day. And of course that means like most people do them once a day if they remember, or if they're like an athlete, they'll try to do it 10 times a day. And then we got to like, say, Oh, slow down. Not, not like that. And then we try to keep the, the entire exercise group under three minutes or for a more complicated patient, under five minutes maximum. We don't want them to be spending more than five minutes on these exercises. We want them to sort of set, set an alarm on their, on their phone when they hear. They're like, oh, all right, I'm just going to hop to a bathroom real quick, go into a stall, do all my exercises, and nobody thinks I'm looking weird, and then pop right out. Nobody knows any difference. They get their brain rehab in. It works out pretty well. <laughs> hmm Yeah, well – so, Dr. Lavich, we are just about out of time, and I want to ask you a final question. If you have any parting words of wisdom for our listeners, sure. Yes, that's a loaded big question. I know. Okay. <laughs> so, parting words of advice is: remember how the brain works; it can constantly change. That means no matter how you're feeling right now, if you continue to work in the right direction, you will get there. It may take longer than other people. Don't look at your neighbor to see how they're recovering versus you because everybody's an individual. That's the point of individualized medicine. Just keep doing your journey. Keep working hard at it every day. Say, what is one thing I can do today that will, take, that will improve me today compared to where I was yesterday? Whether it's, hey, you know, when I get a burger, instead of eating the whole burger and fries, I'm going to get a burger with a side salad. That's one little thing you can do to mm-hmm. improve yourself, and then every day you build on it. And sooner or later, instead of having these big, massive changes in your life, because we've all had a TBI, and we know what a massive change actually feels yeah. like, and those are not 
comfortable to have, whether it's for good or for bad, massive changes are not good. So think one step at a time, one foot in front of the other, like uh, what was that movie, What About Bob, Baby Steps? Yes, yes. I love have, that movie. <laughs> we need to, right. You need to put one foot in front of the other, little by little, and every day in the beginning of the day say, okay, what did I do yesterday? And then say, okay, what's what's one thing that I can once one small thing that I can either change or do today? It could be, hey, I'm going to make sure that I do my home exercise program today. Okay, I did it yesterday. I'm going to try to do it twice today, or I'm going to try to really pay attention to it a little more and do that that one time I do my home exercise program. I'm going to make it a little bit better. Nobody's expecting massive changes, and when we say here are your exercises. Nobody's expecting <laughs> nobody's expecting you to be like this patient. That's the reason why you're in the office. We're trying right. to improve it. So don't feel um what's it called? You should you should feel okay with where you are right now, but also feel okay with working hard to improve it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, just baby steps. It can everything is so overwhelming when you have a brain injury. So just taking it one little baby step at a time, that's a great way to look at that. So Dr. Lavich, thank you so much for being here today. This has been a pleasure chatting with you. And um you actually have three clinics now. You have Denver, Boston, and what was the third one? Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah, right. Okay. And your website is deltasperformance.com, which I do have that in the show notes in case anyone um, needs to go find that. They can find that in the show notes. So thanks again for being here today. Of course. Uh, Thanks for having me. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode and got some really good golden nuggets. And again, you can find Dr. Lavich's uh, website on the show notes, and you can check him out if you are in uh, Denver, Boston, or Providence area. And just a reminder to join Amy's TBI Tribe on Facebook, a place for caregivers, survivors, and loved ones to connect with each other. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zelmer. Thank you all for listening, and thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone, and I will see you again next time. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.